This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. Good morning, H-holes. <laughs> I'm going to keep it going. <laughs> keep it going till it sticks. You know what? I, I was listening to last week's episode, and I was like, that it was pretty funny. I liked it. Yeah, it it's growing on me a little bit. You got to announce the H, though. Yes. Yeah. H. 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 Almost like H as in Hector. Or honey hole. Honey hole. H-hole. Honey hole. H-holes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, now, now we're done. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout, where we hang out, drink whiskey, talk about hunting, fishing, uh, other outdoor activities. We just like to hang out, have a good time, and share our adventures with the H hole audience <laughs> with all you H holes <laughs> with all you H holes. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. Zach, what are we drinking? Oh yeah, we are drinking Garrison Brothers Honeydew. So it is just bourbon whiskey infused with honey. Those of you guys who don't know, Garrison Brothers is the oldest distillery in Texas. Uh, they started. I want to say back in like 2004, I don't know. I'm not going to act like I know that kind of stuff. But their bourbon is pretty good. It's usually a little strong on the corn flavor of it. But um, but I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And I don't know if it's, you know, I like their, their marketing. I like their, you know, also it's a relatively expensive bottle too. So then that probably makes you feel like it's a little bit nicer than it actually is. But uh, but you know what? I'll I'll drink Garrison Brothers any day. I don't think I've ever had it. Yeah, so this their regular stuff is really good. Everything I've had from them has been pretty good. But their honey one, I found this um, couple like a month ago or two now. Is it going to be super syrupy? It's not syrupy, but it is it is pretty sweet. It's on the sweeter side. Let me try it. Nope, not a fan. Yeah. No, why not? A little sweet. To me, it's still syrupy. It also 
it's oddly hot. Like it's oddly like very like there's a noticeable alcoholy for only a, a forty percenter. Yes. Right. So it's a relatively and low something percent. that's so sweet. Yeah. Right. It's relatively hot. It's not. It's definitely not smooth, especially for the cost of the bottle. Hmm. I wouldn't say I don't dislike it, but I'm not like boom yeah. knocked knocked off my socks for sure. I I probably won't buy it again. Yeah. I would say um, I'm not picking it up. If it's at a party and it's what's there, you drink it, but probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not digging it. I'm sorry, Garrison. I like the bottle and the yellow wax and the. Well, yeah, and they seal them all with uh, a piece of uh, deer hide. That's how they. Oh well, then let me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I would like to try the other ones. Maybe it's just this honey. The honey one is different than the rest. Maybe it's just this honey thing that I'm not digging. Where's the deer hide on it? I took it off. You can see part of it on the top, on the cap now, on the other side. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, right there. Yeah, and then there's a little bit there. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's how they seal it. You just pull the deer hide and it rips it off. I'm not. I'm not digging this, but I would be willing to try. The other ones. Their stuff's good. Um, I definitely think that the price kind of gives you that, like, inflated sense of, like, oh, it's super fancy. What I've well, had- I've known Garrison Brothers as being really expensive it and is. haven't, like, ventured out to purchase. That's what's kept me away. But I've also heard, like, mixed reviews of, like, they're ri- they're they're pretty expensive for the money you're... I've had better bottles of bourbon for like a third of the cost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that bottle there is like 70 to 80 bucks. Where are they out of? High. So... I didn't ask what they were. Where are they out of? Where are they out of? Yeah, high Texas. uh, uh, Between Fredericksburg and Marble Falls kind of area. Maybe not Marble Falls. Fredericksburg and what? Bandera. Gotcha. Be fun to go do a taste. I'd go out there and do a testing. High is near dripping. Dripping or dripping, dripping springs? springs. So, I don't know. Sorry, that, I don't no, think it's, it's that close to Austin because we've been up there. It's pretty close to f- like Fredericksburg. Is it H I? Dude, it's on. It's on on two ninety right past Johnson City. Yeah, so Johnson City and, and Fredericksburg. It's in between those two cities. To me, that's near dripping. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> it probably is closer. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, it's next to Stonewall. If yeah. anyone knows where yeah. that is. But uh, yeah, for, for me, for a forty percent eighty proof, you know, it's okay. I won't buy. I won't buy the honeydew again. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's good. It's just not. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost too sweet. I think I don't. I think I do like those. It's not an overtly honey flavor. Hmm. Hmm. Well. Do you guys, uh, Cliff, Ian, do you guys have a fun weekend? It rained. <clears throat> so we... No, I just stayed home. <laughs> we went to the ranch. Uh, no, I got I got some pretty good little stories out of it. Uh, we got to the ranch Friday night. Y'all were pig hunting, right? Yeah. So Friday nights, we don't hunt. Um, we let it rest and all this other stuff. Saturday morning. Now, hindsight being twenty twenty, and knowing that it was going to rain all weekend, would you have hunted Friday night? The ranch rules that we've had we have in place now is no hunting on Friday. So I would rather keep the rule because I find it beneficial. 
to get into that routine. But it, I agree with why that is in place. It's more just better practice, in my opinion. Uh, and it gives you better opportunity in the morning. Uh, so we get there Friday night. We uh, hang out. I hang out with Evan for a while. Get eaten up by mosquitoes. We finally go inside. And uh, Ian shows up around 9 o'clock or so. And then uh, we just kind of hang out and go to bed around 1 Ian and I wake up at 5-ish in the morning to get ready and uh, walk out to our walkout. I drop Ian off at his blind, and then I walk to mine. Uh, I hunted a different spot using archery this time around. I got more cactus in my butt. Oh. While hunting, nothing came out. I did have a black belly whistling duck come up. and land on my feeder. So watched it for a little bit and then had to go to the bathroom. So I walk away and uh, find a, a nice spot, drop my pants and everything, uh, do what I do. And when I look up from doing what I do, there's a deer staring right at me. <laughs> so a deer legitimately watched me poop. <laughs> Um, didn't spook off until I actually stood up to pull up my pants. Well, before then, you're probably just like, hey, you're doing what, you're doing what nature does. Yeah. You know? It's like, you're not a threat, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it sat there and looked at me and it did like do the little head bobs and stuff like back and forth, like trying to figure you out. But seriously, this deer was probably as close to me from that curb. Right there. So uh-huh. maybe, maybe 20 yards closer. Just sitting there watching me grow a tail. Do you not, like, try to go before you go out hunting? Because that's not advantageous to a hunt. And it feels like this is in the... I, this I've is, like, an iconic thing for Cliff. Is you never, get out and you're I've like, I'm outside. Before. I'm going to go. And I, while, where I was, I'm like, oh, I can wait until I'm done with my hunt. Yeah. Or I can go nope. in the morning beforehand. And then I'm not spreading my scent around everywhere, making a bunch of noise. Yeah. I'm not making noise. I'm not grunting and straining. <laughs> um, this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I'm having to grunt and strain, then that means I probably don't really have to go. Like, I go in the woods when it's starting to... Groundhog? Yes. Like, it's just poking out, saying hello and whatnot. Oh, man. That's when I go in the woods. It just seems like every time you go hunting... There's a poop story. Like you just get that excited that you're like, I got poop. There's like a poop story, and where I'm like, well, I can just hold it until I'm done with hunting. Yeah. Or I will go in the morning beforehand, and I'm not spreading my scent around everywhere. You so, know, making a bunch of racket. I'm not making racket. Um, <laughs> I understand your sentiment, and I follow that train of thought. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. try and go beforehand. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Like, I can sit there for 30 minutes trying, and nothing happens. And then about, it's normally once I start getting up and moving, and moving about and stuff like that, that I have to go. Even, like, during the week, I don't go until, like, 9, 30, 10. 
Like I can wake up, I can go to the gym, I won't have to go get ready, and then I go to work, have my morning meetings, and then I have to go have another morning meeting, Mm. so to speak. It's just how it is. Tobacco probably doesn't help, but that probably helps me go too. And when I'm hunting, I tend to use more tobacco product. That's another thing to talk about and is caffeine. tobacco scent something you're concerned about that's true like you you'll use what baking soda instead of toothpaste because you're worried about it but then you'll you'll pop some spearmint flavor dip yeah but uh <laughs> normally <laughs> <laughs> i normally uh gut it so i swallow oh, oh no instead of no. Spit. please don't do that dude that's so bad yeah that's oh, disgusting all right. it's all right it's 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 wrong on two different levels yeah Oh, that's what I tend to do. Pig hunting, I'm not as worried about. Bird hunting, I'm not worried about it. Deer hunting's a little bit different, and I would be way more like apt to try everything in my ability not to go. Mm-hmm. But there are also studies that show that deer actually like and come into the scent of tobacco. There's one story I heard on one podcast. I haven't heard yeah. of any colleges doing any studies on... I know other people who... When working on deer farms. Deer farm is one thing. Wild deer. They still act the same way. It's not like they're true pets. Now, are you biased because you're looking for a reason oh, to Oh, I'm still going to do it. Well, I'm going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> hey, but you know what? If you're killing animals and you're doing it the way still, you want to do it. There's you, still tons of stories of old guy, old timers smoking cigarettes and all this other stuff in deer blinds and still killing Mm-hmm. And then why go through all the effort with the ozone and the scent killer the and all that? Man. It's mitigating. If I'm going to do one thing that's bad and I do 10 things that's good for it, I feel like it eventually kind of cancels out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? I like I like your thought. So you're that. just looking for an even cancel out. You're not looking for an advantage. He works yeah. extra hard on scent control so that way he can do the few things he wants to do, like poop and dip. <laughs> <laughs> that way they meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily want to poop when I'm hunting. I do love pooping outside, <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to poop while hunting. But if you got to go, you got to go. You know what? I mean, true. it's. I mean, if you got to go, you can hold it until you can. Go to Not all the time. Landed. You need to work on your control. Yeah, I just, you know, work on those clenches. Uh, try that, and it still feels like. <laughs> if, you're getting, if you're getting bubble guts and you're uncomfortable, that's going to make you go inside way more sooner than if you just find a spot 100 yards away or whatever. Just do your business. And do your business, and you got to think about where you're going to go. You still play the wind while you're pooping. Uh-huh. Play the wind so that, because that's going to be your biggest factor. No matter how much scent control you do on the front end, spraying down, you can be 100% scent neutral. And if you still do not play the wind, that's going to hurt you more so than anything. I think uh, Ian's closing words of wisdom today should be play the wind when you're pooping. Play the wind when you're pooping. All right, I think we've talked about this too much. Yeah. Any other exciting things other than you going to the bathroom outside on your weekend? I had a deer watch me. That's the exciting takeaway from that. <laughs> okay. Obviously, it doesn't really matter. I had a deer watch me take a dump. <laughs> Got back to my spot, uh, getting eat up with mosquitoes. Starts to rain a little bit. So 
I eventually call it, go back to the cabin, or walk, walk around collecting SD cards from other various cameras and the camera I was at, get back to the ranch, and then Ian starts coming up, so he grabs three more camera cards and brings them back up, and as soon as Ian gets in, all heck breaks loose, just like credential downpour. And it stayed like that the rest of the day. We thought we stayed at the cabin till about six-ish, would you say, Ian? Yeah, probably about six. Yeah, as soon, well, you talking 6 p.m.? Yes. Yeah, that's about right. So we we hang out all day at the cabin. Uh, the ground's getting cakey muddy. So like you walk anywhere where it's wet, and you pull up like two inches of mud on your boot, mm-hmm. no matter where you go. Uh, we start to realize you're not going to be able to get a truck back anywhere if you do kill something. So you're going to have to haul it all the way from probably the back of the property to the front of the property. That doesn't sound fun. And then sloshing around, getting stuck in mud and all this other stuff. So eventually we say we, we're going to call it. Ian is on the phone with some girl in Austin the entire time for about an hour. Oh. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so Evan and I came. Evan gives me the ultimatum because Evan's about to start cooking dinner. And he's like, so I'm about to start cooking dinner. So what do you want to do? It's your birthday. Do you want to go ahead and call it? We clean up and we head back to San Antonio and eat smash and crab. Or do you want to stick around here and see if it lightens up and stay till tomorrow, which we know it's probably not going to cause it definitely didn't. So we we go outside and we're waiting on Ian to get off the phone with this girl. And so we start messing with him. I moon Ian through the back of his truck and leave <laughs> a decent uh, butt imprint <laughs> <laughs> on his back wind, windshield. <laughs> and then he finally hangs up and comes outside and he's like, rawr, 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 rawr. Um, That's just like me. <laughs> Is that what I sound like? Yes, 100%. Um, so we tell him what we're going to do. He's like, Okay, that sounds good. So we clean up the cabin. We leave uh, San Antonio. We go up to Smashing Crab, and they tell us it's going to be an hour-long wait. Or we're just coming off of a a hunt, so we have coolers full of alcohol. So we wait for the hour, just sit in the back of the trucks and drink. In the Smashing Crab parking lot? Yes. <laughs> uh, they, they allow you to have alco- alcohol outside. Normally, I just think that they prefer you to buy it there, mm-hmm. but we skipped the middleman. Ian peed in a bottle. In I had a sparkling lot, water. And then we go inside. We eat crap ton of crab and crawfish. We had two dozen raw oysters, three pounds of crawfish, two pounds of snow crab, and a pound of shrimp I between all of us. I want to go there so bad. We should go. And then that was it. The waitress was kind of flirty with Ian. Oh. But Ian did not want to participate. Yeah. Um, Later, he says, well, it's because he's talking to a girl up in Austin. Okay. Which I get the, that. the whole time we were 
down at camp. He's like, I'm not talking to anyone. I need pics for the gram to get a girl, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> but then this one girl who's actually f- actively flirting with Ian, he's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do anything about it. Hey, man, so, the heart wants the heart wants. Well, so we, need to let, we need to give Ian an opportunity to fill in his <laughs> unbiased opinion. <laughs> you think... I'm gonna. You think I'm gonna talk about that on the podcast? Uh, most of what Cliff said is true. <laughs> most, most of what not fully true, but mostly true. Okay. Um, uh, the smashing crab was great. Didn't something else funny happen? It's smashing crab. Um. Oh, not that. <laughs> uh, um. That'll be off the podcast. But you talk about repeating a bottle. <laughs> He's brought that up twice uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well let's not go into that. Let's move on. Zach, did you do anything fun this weekend? No. 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 Watch watch some T V did some schoolwork. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, it really wasn't a good weekend to do anything that's, outside. It was, it was yeah. really rainy. There I wasn't anything going on. Like, missions weren't playing this weekend. No soccer game this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I went to uh, Carson's bachelor party. Oh, yeah. How was that? That was a great time. We uh, hung out, rented an Airbnb with the pool. Oh. Uh-huh. Hung out. The pool was pretty cold. And um, just hung out, had a good time. On uh, Friday night, we w- did an escape room. I saw pictures. Yeah, it was the fun. Uh, we did. We did a South Park themed escape room. It was hilarious and super fun. Really, we completed the escape room in fifty five minutes. As he had one hour time limit. One hour time limit with zero hints. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, because last time we didn't, I did an escape room. We needed like three hints. <laughs> so uh, that was pretty nice. And also, it was a three room escape room, which oh, so was you got, cool. Like, you unlocked the next room. Yeah, one was behind a bookshelf. That's cool. And we didn't even know there was another room there. And then we didn't know there was a third room. Like, they hid it so well that you wouldn't have thought that there were, like, more rooms to find. That's cool. Yeah, to have that kind of thing. So, but it played out like an episode of South Park. Like, hey, they had a TV in there, so when you did certain things, like, like they would, would play, like, a portion of the episode. So, it, like, the feel was like, you're in an episode of South Park, and this is what you need to do to gotcha. do this. It That's was cool. It was cool. A good way to change it up because so many of them are like, "You're on a pirate ship, or you're surviving a zombie apocalypse." Yeah, I I was thinking though, we need to do a, a group hole. of four honey hole escape room. Are you down for a honey hole escape room? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we need to do it. We need yeah, to find a good one for sure. So, and then on uh, Saturday, we went to Six Flags. Hmm. And uh, it was good. Six it was over, over Texas, Texas, right? Over Texas, Arlington. Uh, it was very busy. I bet. Surprisingly. Um, and I actually lost my breakfast. Like you. Like I threw up like at the end of the cookies. day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never done that in an amusement park before. Was it because um, of a ride? It was actually because. Have you been to Over Texas? Mm-hmm. Have you been to the Magnetic House? I haven't been in probably 10 years or so. But have you been to that house? The Magnetic House? I don't think so. So it's this, uh, it's a house that's an optical illusion. Okay. Um, it's a house that's an optical illusion. And basically you walk through and everything feels like all, like when you walk in, 
everything's like all tilted and you feel like you want to fall forward. So you have to fight against it. It's like this weird illusion. And then what they do is they have like people in the house that are doing like a show, like water flows upstream and like things roll on tables uphill. It's like this big illusion. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I haven't been in there since I was a kid and we were there and I was like, let's go through it. So I've probably been to over Texas like half a dozen times. Okay. Does and the Six Flags over Texas have the monster plantation, which is like a water boat ride where you go through a a house and there's like monsters and stuff in it? I don't, no. I don't think so. Okay. No. Must be just a Six Flags over Georgia thing. Maybe. Yeah. Because yeah, even Fiesta, Texas has nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, over Texas is all like Looney Tunes and DC. That's, like that's all the that's all yeah, six flags. Is that all six too. flags? Yeah. Well, even like Fiesta, I've been to it. It's kind of like a little bit, but I feel like over Texas, it's like they really lean into it a lot more. Uh, I feel like the one in Atlanta as well, like especially the kids section, uh-huh. is it's all hard into Looney, Looney Tunes. Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. So so we went through the uh, they call it Casa Magnetica. Went through there. And then I was feeling kind of, like, weird afterwards. Um, and then we rode the Batman, which is, uh, you know, sitting down, feet dangling style that does, like, flips and everything. And we waited in line, and I was feeling kind of queasy. And then we got up to the ride, and I was like, you know, I really don't, like, I'm feeling, I really don't think I want to ride this. Mm-hmm. So, but I was like, you know what, it's the last ride. That's going to be our last ride for the day Then we are going to leave. I was like, I'll go through it. And as soon as I got on and it started going off, we started going up, I was like, oh, I wish I wasn't on this. I wish I wasn't on this. Please be <laughs> over. Please be over. Please be over. Oh, so we man. get through it. I, like, basically close my eyes and, like, hold my head in place it's and like just wait till, <laughs> wait till it's over. And masks are required. And it's like, I'm about to throw up in my mask. <laughs> you got to wear a mask on the roller coaster? Oh, yeah. They were strict about it, too. If people like got on the ride, got their seatbelts on, and then pulled their mask down, they would be like, "We're not starting this ride till everyone's mask is over their nose." Yeah, that seems a bit excessive. It but was, go, but we don't. We're not gonna. Yeah. Anyway, I just feel like if you're wearing a mask on a roller coaster, all it's gonna do is blow off. Yeah. They didn't, but it was annoying. Interesting. So uh, we got off, and I was like, kind of like, Ooh. we walked to the car, and then we sat in the car. I sat in the car for about five minutes. And I was like, okay. She made it all the way back to the car. Yeah, I was like, okay, I think I'm feeling better. Our plan was we were going to go to Pluckers. Carson was going to do the... The hot challenge. The hot challenge, which is 25 of their hottest wings. 25 of them? In 15 minutes. And the scope... They'll make you poop in the woods. <laughs> that's a lot of wings. The Scoville... So we looked at the Scovilles. It's like 300,000 Scovilles. Oh, man. And it, it's a jalapeno, like... 15 or 16 or something. Yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah, a couple hundred. or. I don't even think it's a couple hundred. I think it's like in the teens. Um, so we got in the car. We called Pluckers, and they're like, oh, it's a four-hour wait. And we're like, oh. Okay, this is, this is an aside, but why is Pluckers always so long? Their wings are okay, but they're not the greatest. They're mediocre at best. Right. Like, I don't think, like. Look, if, if you're thinking about fast wing places, and let's not put, like, Wayne's Wings excluded because that's the San Antonio only thing. If if you're talking about like Buffalo Wild Wings, uh-huh. it's better than Buffalo Wild. It's Wings. better than Buffalo Wild Wings. Talking about Wingstop, it's better than Wingstop. Mm. I think they're com- I think they're comparable. I think they're comparable. Yeah. So and I I would rather go to Wingstop and wait twenty minutes than go to Pluckers and wait over an hour. Oh no, I'd agree with that. So 
That's what we did. We went to Wingstop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah. went to Wingstop, but there was no, like, really challenge. So, you know, we're like, oh, we'll just get wings to go and then go back to the house. Yeah. So we went to Wingstop. I walked in the door, caught a whiff of Wingstop, and then ran to the parking lot and just Ugh. everything. Yeah. Lost everything. Like, the smell of Wingstop, like. Just sent you over the edge. You sent it over the edge. Yeah. Not good. So I have never lost uh, a meal because of Six Flags or like an amusement park, but and I'm a big amusement park fan. I like going. I want to get a uh, Fiesta Texas pass this year. Yeah, I'm not that big. No. I haven't been in years. Well, but Cliff, we were talking about this. You're not a fan because it's like it's hot. You have to wait. I don't like the crowds stuff. of people. That's, but that's being able to go when thing. people aren't there as much during the week is gonna be nice. Uh, I went with my buddy Jake to Fiesta one time in the summer here during the week, and I think I was telling you this. We were able to, like, on, like, the mainstay rides, we would get in line, and many times there was no wait. And if there was a wait, it was a maximum of, like, five minutes. And then... Those are the nice days. And then on some cases, if there were no people in line, they just ask you, do you want to go again? We'd be like, yes. You can ride basically everything multiple times in half a day. Whereas we went to over Texas, you know, we had to wait about an hour for everything. We got to ride eight rides. We didn't even get to touch a lot of the cool rides that are there. We didn't ride the Texas Giant or... I like the uh, Texas Giant. Or what's the one, the son of whatever? The son of? Yeah, there's like there's like a name. It's like Bill. And it's like the son of Bill. It's not Bill, but you know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. I've never been to Six Flags Over Texas or Six Flags Fiesta. Okay. I've only been to Six Flags Over Georgia... And then, of course, like Universal, Disney, and those. Wait, there's a, a Six Flags over Georgia? Yeah, there's one. Yeah. Louisville. There's a bunch of them, man. It's not the only... Texas isn't the only place with them. They just changed the names so they're not over Texas or um, under Texas. But the one in Georgia, it's right Besides off... Besides Texas. <laughs> it's right off the Chattahoochee River, and it's always super crowded because it's... In the middle of a major populated area, there's an airport off to the side, so they can't get above like 200 feet up in the air. It's always super crowded because it's next to the Chattahoochee. After it comes out of Atlanta, it smells during the summer, and you're paying 50, 60, 70 bucks, however much ticket costs now, to go wait in a three and a half hour long line for a minute and a half long ride where it's pretty much shoulder-to-shoulder crowdedness and the sweltering heat and humidity, I'm just not a fan. Yeah, we need to, we need Please to go. Please tell on, me like, they have like a water slide, like a water slide that'll launch you into the Chattahoochee. No. Like, and then you can just get you, you, an infection. You <laughs> definitely do not want to get into the Chattahoochee at that part Exactly. It. It's like the Mississippi. It's gross. So, Lynn, anything else happened on your bachelor weekend? That was pretty much it. Yeah. We had a good time. Do we I have any listener questions? On the podcast. We have uh, one question. Uh, it, it says, Honey Hole Archery Shoot Off. That would be fun. That would be fun, but I think we'd know who'd win. Between just us? Or? I think Cliff would have to be excluded to make it interesting. Yeah, that's true. Ian, Landon, and I. 
not that we don't want to include you. It's just that you would win. You I mean, would you win. could do it, but not we could necessarily. We could go for like you know. Who submitted that? We could do like a handicap. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Cliff gets like. Wait, 10. what are we talking about? A honey hole angling archery shoot off. Or we could do. Oh, I would. Lo- I would lose. Or we could do a conventional style that we were on the same field. A trad bow? I'd be okay with that. Right? Ooh, there we go. We're all on the same plane. Kendall would win that. Man, she's got the knack for it. She shoots a lot of trad? Every time. We've only been a couple times, but when she when we go, she shoots that, and she loves it. She does pretty good. So. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Cool. I like that idea. Uh, any other questions? Nope. That was all this week. All right. Well, you guys ready for our segments? Yes. I do not want to go first. Uh, Cliff or Ian, you guys want to go first? Uh, Ian can go first this week. Ian, are you ready? Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone first. <laughs> okay, this is from Science. Hey, I didn't interrupt. <laughs> you did not. Oh, there. I think that's Woo. the. I think that's the first. <laughs> I think one that's the first time ever. <laughs> so this is from Scientific American. Uh huh. Bas- it's called L- lemur flirting. Uses common. Sense with a T, not sense. Sense. Wait, wait, lemur. And the title flirting? is yeah, a lemur flirting. Okay. And here's the caption. This is from ScientificAmerican.com. To entice female ring-tailed lemurs, males rub wrist secretions, which include compounds we use in perfumes, onto their tails and then wave it at the the females. <laughs> yeah, basically they figured out that male lemurs like put on cologne. And they sh- they took like a few photos of this Scientific American Washington Post that like comes out of their wrist like Spider Man style, and when they're ready to mate, they just rub it on their tails and they just wave it in the wind at the females. And apparently, the females will come up and smell it, and uh, <laughs> just you know, Mar- Mar- Marvin Gaye starts playing, and there's baby lemurs like a few months later. <laughs> All right. So I was reading this and I was like, what? And all I could hear is like, I've been really trying, baby. You know, I love that song. Let's get it on. So, um, yeah, that's and like Washington Post has this one photo and it shows like this lemur's tail just like up in the air. I thought oh, that was man. super interesting. Oh, yeah, I just imagine. And so that's it for these neat things in nature. Dude, I'm just imagining a bunch of lemurs running around rubbing their wrists together. Like they just sprayed on some cologne and then rubbing all over their tail. Yeah, Marvin Gaye starts playing or like uh, Barry White. Right. Plus, yeah, lemur, girl. Lemurs like, are just super <laughs> cute, though. Like, man, I love lemurs. Yeah. And you so said they we use their secretions in perfume? Hmm. I mean, technically. Yeah, it comes out of their wrists. Uh, yeah. So it's like perfume that. Or cologne that you put on your body, yeah. Except for yeah, them making same it. thing. I mean, like, yeah, but yeah. Just, everybody has cologne that comes out of their wrist all the time. It, your pheromones, but uh, it's, it's not it's, musk. Yeah, musky musk. Everyone has a natural human musk scent smell. Stuff. Yeah, that smelly smell. It smells. I bet baby smelly. lemurs Cliff's are like killer. super cute. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. So cool. Let's move on. <laughs> Dang Cliff taking charge. All right. Well, there's about to be a lot of dead air because I looked up and we were all on our phones. <laughs> so I'm not on my phone. I'm never on my phone during oh, the podcast. Man. You guys ready? Like the story. Yes. I'll do. So this is better Paw Patrol. Better Better Paw, Paw Patrol? Patrol? 
No, on patrol. You said <laughs> you Paw Patrol. You definitely said Paw Patrol. <laughs> Whatever. Cliff's, when Cliff does it, we're now calling it Paw Patrol. It's <laughs> <laughs> the kiddie version of On Patrol. <laughs> so, a, this is all a Texas game. My next series will be Texas Game Warden stories and things that they get into. Um, but the first one I'm going to go over is a Grayson County Game Warden was taking two occu- occupants of a vehicle he had just stopped he learned they were returning from Louisiana from a duck hunting trip in northwestern Arkansas. The warden asked if they had any game in the vehicle, and they they said they had some ducks. Before opening the hunter's two ice chests, the warden asked if they had too many ducks. The driver said they probably did have too many ducks for just two people. The warden counted 107 ducks no. in the hunter's possession. The men claimed that the ducks belonged to other hunters, although they couldn't provide any documentation to support their claim. While neither hunter could remember exactly how many ducks they had t- he had taken, they both admitted to exceeding their daily bag limits during the hunting trip. The warden then discovered one of the hunters did not have a license, oh. and neither oh. hunter had a migratory bird endorsement. The warden filed multiple cases... Uh, for being over the daily bag limit, hunting without a license, and hunting without a migratory bird endorsement. The hunters who did have a valid Texas license were allowed to keep his possession limit of 18 ducks, but the other 89 ducks with civil restitution value of $9,000 were seized and donated. I'm surprised he let him keep his limit. Especially not having a migratory bird endorsement. Exactly. Being that... Many over, like I can see being one over the warden, maybe taking the one and then being like, okay, like I get things happen, you know. But to be that many over and still be like, okay, you can keep them. Well, he also said that he let them keep eighteen ducks, so that's a three day limit, okay. I believe, because six ducks. This is in Texas, depending on breed or species and. uh sex of the ducks that mm. could get a little convoluted i guess but yeah allowing him to i i would have i would have taken all of them if i was the game warden especially not having the migratory bird yeah because like they're all they're illegal no matter what yeah um yeah still though crazy story what are the main ducks that are that are uh moving right now cuz i keep seeing the same ones like the like it's like this deep red orange chest i don't know ducks at all outside of mallards you know, it's got, but they have like these bright, like reddish orange face, almost like fire, you know, and then fire bodies. I've seen a lot of black belly whistling ducks around. Maybe that's what they are. But, but um, they're super neat. Like I said, I, I've never duck hunted. I don't know what ducks look like, like outside of mallards and call them black belly whistlers. Yeah. Or Mexican whistlers. Okay. Um, that's what I've seen a, a a lot of round, but they don't have a red breast, red to my knowledge. No, but that's their about the bill, red. Their bill is bright orange. But that's kind of the red I'm talking about. Let's see. I, I can look it up. I might ask you a few questions. But, yeah, that's all for uh, Paw Patrol. This is all in San Antonio? For Paw Patrol. <laughs> Did you mean to do that time? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, all right. Landon, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, here we go, guys. Cliff's Cool Conservation Corner. We gotta come up with a different nickname though, like Paw Patrol for you. Presented by Landon. Presented by Landon. 
So you said it's red and body? Uh-huh. Okay. This week is National Invasive Species Awareness Week, May 15th through 22nd. Oh. Brings attention to harmful non-native plants and wildlife. This was uh, this article is brought to you by Texas Parks and Wildlife News. That would explain why they've been really ham- hammering the uh, the stuff on social media. Yeah, like all the pictures of like the, yeah. the stuff. Yeah, that's the one. Nisaw is what it's short for. Um, basically, they want to do this week to help bring more awareness to Texas uh, residents and help teach them how invasive species affect um, our area uh, or the areas they like to uh, visit. Um, the I'm going to read this. It's the definition of invasive species, and maybe that will help give uh-huh. clear up the picture. Invasive species are species that are non-native to an ecosystem and are causing or are likely to cause environmental or economic harm or impact human health and quality of life. Uh, invasive species are very expensive to prevent and control and cause costly damage to crops, fisheries, forests, and more. Recent estimates suggest that the annual cost of invasive species in the U.S. is approximately $219 billion, with a B, dollars. Every year. Every year, over two, wait, two hundred or two billion? Two hundred and nineteen billion is the cost of invasive, invasive species, species per year. How? How is it that much money? Okay, let's just okay, let's just think about it like this. Let's just take zebra mussels. Okay, how much is Texas Parks and Wildlife investing? So, is it only truly like considered invasive, or is it like? Invasive, but considered naturalized. No, naturalized does not meet the definition of invasive. So, like carp are like naturalized, right? Right. Um, they're not likely to cause environmental or economic harm. So that's that they wouldn't fit the definition of invasive because species. the ecosystem is now having them being thriving there. They work with everything. Everything's equaled out. With they're those. they're not part of the two hundred nineteen billion. Are carp costing? Part of this two hundred nineteen billion, Texas Parks and Wildlife would say no. Right. That's how I'd think about it. But if we think about that number, and let's just take zebra mussels just in Texas, because zebra mussels aren't only an issue here; they're an issue in a lot of other states. Mm-hmm. Shoot, how much money is Texas Parks and Wildlife putting into like zebra mussel research, prevention, awareness, marketing? marketing? Yep. Got to be at least ten million dollars. That's true, but like you would have. If to- you take that's just one thing. You apply that to every state just for zebra mussels, and then you take— Wait, wait, wait. This isn't Texas's bill. This is the United States bill. Yes, United States bill's $219 billion. Okay, makes a little bit more sense. Still a ton It's still a jaw-dropping number. Yes, yeah, yeah, That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a— like, A lot of taxpayer money. Yeah, billions are a ton of money. So, yeah. So, but that's U.S., not just Texas. Okay, that makes, a, that makes more sense. A lot of it— uh, you know, is like farmers' crops can be affected by invasive species. Uh-huh. You think about the costs associated with that. So they anyway. posted one this week that I didn't know. I didn't know the nutria was an invasive species. Oh, nutria are invasive? Yeah. See? I did not know that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they have a bunch of other things. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know. That. Uh, Louisiana, I know, pays a bounty for nutria. Really? Yeah. It's like $30 hmm. per nutria, I think. I feel like the tail in and uh, people making a bounty for most things. 
people <laughs> yeah, probably people so. are making a full time living in Louisiana just hunting nutria. I guess they're that yeah. prominent. That's kind of because they had like oh I can't remember. Someone told me the number. It was like in in excess of like ten million nutria. Or That's, something ridiculous. Can we just? I need to. I I should just quote reckon, numbers. I don't know, but it was just like an insane amount of nutrient in Louisiana. Go ahead, Ian. Can we just recognize that like full time hunting nutrient in twenty twenty one is like the most Louisiana thing? <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> like, <laughs> how would you make your forge? Like, Jim what do you do? Oh, I'm a software developer for Textron Systems. What do you do? Damn right, I'm a nutrient hunter. Okay, all <laughs> right. Nutria. God bless America. <laughs> Um, a variety of plants, animals, insects, and even diseases can become an invasive species. So you think about like whirling disease, like Cliff had talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, invasive species often grow, reproduce rapidly, and outcompete native species, enabling them to spread and become established and problematic across large areas. Yeah. So what, like fire ants are an invasive species? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Uh, they can be introduced a variety of ways, including intentional introduction or accidental introduction. Um, once introduced, some species can become established and have a variety of harmful, harmful impacts on native species and ecosystems. Um, basically, with this article, they get into five things that you can do to help stop the spread okay, of great. invasive species. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number one, never dump your tank. Yep. Not in the way that Cliff mentioned earlier. Yeah. Is not what this is referring to. You can dump that truck. <laughs> um, never dunk your Dump your tank means don't dump your fish tank into a river. I know that Nemo, you're moving and you can't take Nemo with you, but uh, Nemo should not be dumped down a toilet because that also could end up in our natural waterways and should also not be dumped um, in water, in water, in a river. That's a big problem I know in San Marcos where students will have fish tanks and they'll just like dump them in the San Marcos River and that's why there's such a variety of fish species in the river. Really? Yeah. Huh. Because the university's right on the river. Yeah, I did know that, but I didn't know that it had like this like plethora of different species. Yeah, yeah. There's just like, who knows what you're going to catch out there. Um, And so, yeah, don't dump your fish tank. Don't flush your fish. Um, So what's the next thing? Uh, the next thing is you only use native Gulf shrimp as bait. Um, shrimp is a popular choice for bait when fishing at the coast, but not all shrimp species can be used as bait due to potential introduction, potential to introduce diseases. Mm. Uh, while not harmful to humans when eaten, which uh, would probably what like be, most people would think about, uh, imported shrimp can carry several known viruses or diseases that can be transmitted to native Gulf shrimp species and other shellfish um and other things yeah so, did you see this guy um I, he's on tiktok famous now but he goes around to like all these different beaches he finds shrimp and he removes the parasites that are on them and like throws them away or whatever um but it's actually pretty interesting like he'll pull pull back their gill plate and like actually remove these parasites that can sometimes be as large as the shrimp itself sometimes they're really small but it's just pretty interesting huh i haven't seen that no, but yeah. So if you're gonna fish in the Gulf, use local shrimp as your bait. Don't import shrimp or buy shrimp at the store if do you, you don't know where it comes from. Do you think buying shrimp at the coast is safe to do? I would say so because a lot of the like live sh- if you're going to buy live shrimp at the coast, they're catching it. Right. So yeah, I would say hey, support those small. If if you are a bait fisherman, support the local bait shops and do so it there. Don't go to H E B and buy a shrimp cocktail platter. No. 
Yeah, I think and then use it as I bait. I live shrimp at the coast, and it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was one uh, plant native. If you're going to have a garden or like landscape your own house, okay. plant native plants, which um, I, for the gardeners that are out there, may not be, you know, people like to find like cool exotic species oh, to bring in, to bring in yeah. and like have in their garden, but, but they even can have a negative imp- impact on um, our uh, local wildlife. I'm just trying to convince Kendall to let us zero scape once we. Um once we get a house, we don't have to worry about it. Ooh, zero escaping. <laughs> don't carry hitchhikers. Uh, this would be like, you know, we've always talked about felt-soled boots. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, people that go hiking, um, even like just on your hiking boots and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's what they mean in this part of the article. Uh, you could be carrying invasive species with you and not even know it. Um, insects, plants, Plant seeds can hitch a ride on your clothes, shoes, gear, or even in your firewood. I did know firewood. Firewood, you have to be very specific about like buying it once you get once you get to where you're going. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, uh, and uh, the last one is clean, drain, and dry your boat and gear. Mm-hmm. So this one would be appropriate to like the zebra mussels <laughs> on your boat. Clean your boat after you go out. Even like uh, waders and stuff. You think too? Waders, yep. boots. Um, that sort of thing. And I would say it's like going to be like a bigger deal if you're like river jumping. Like one day I'm going to fish this river. The next day I'm going to fish this river. The next day I'm going to fish this river. Um, yeah, like we were in New Mexico. And they, when we were in New Mexico, uh, they sprayed our boots with bleach. Every night. Every and night. And our waders. And our waders. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't want stuff. Going from river to river. River to river. Yeah. yeah. So um, just be aware. Uh, think about what you guys are doing and let's help uh, reduce our taxes by cutting <laughs> like a couple billion off that $219 right. oh, billion dollar bill. Honestly, that if if you told me to guess, I would never have guessed. I might have guessed like $1 billion maybe, but not $200 billion. I would have maybe guessed a couple billion, yeah. but not $200 billion. And you think about it too. Uh, we've talked about how you know our state parks and our public lands are funded by hunters and fishing through excise tax and things like that. Um, well, the invasive species, you know, money to control that is being funded by, you know, in a lot of cases by that excise tax as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, our money could be better spent other places than fighting invasive species. So watch what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Crazy, man. All right, you guys ready for Creature Watch? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. All right, guys. So, today I bring you the story of the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. You guys ever heard of this? Of nope. Scape or Swamp? Scape or Swamp. Mm-mm. Scape or Swamp is in Lee County, South Carolina. The lizard man, right, is described as having this green scaly skin with either red or orange eyes. It has three fingered webbed hands, stands about seven feet tall, and it has a stride of about 40 inches. Now, if you guys had to guess when the first sighting of some sort of lizard man in the area happened, what would you say? Sounds like Godzilla. You're right. 
Only seven feet tall, though. Like a tiny Godzilla. Baby Godzilla. Or like the swamp monster, you know? <sighs> the creature from the Black Lagoon. This one seems recent. Okay. I'm going 1960. Okay. Ian, you go. 1997. Well, yeah. Okay. What was that about? Well, because we got to do 95. 95 or earlier. But, yeah. hey, if Ian wants to say 97. He's taking a risk. Maybe you're pulling Wait, I didn't much. hear that. You said 95 or earlier that's been that's the, the rule, rule. That's the podcast cobra. because the, ch- the chupacabra set the precedent <laughs> oh <laughs> dude that's a bs rule 1997 <laughs> <laughs> he thinks i'm pulling a fast one on you guys uh okay and wait, wait, wait. yeah cliff what do you think i still think it's it sounds it seems modern okay how modern i'm gonna say 80s okay ask all right uh so in 1929 is when the first kind of lizard uh, man in this area was seen, right? And there's another date that we'll talk about later. Um, but many people think the lizard man could be an actual living dinosaur from back then that has just managed to live for so many years, right? Um, they say that with so many offshoots of evolution, with lizards and reptiles being the most prominent thing on our planet at some point that it's not that unlikely that something would be still living from that time, right? Something could have survived. Side note, I read an article that like a 430 million year old fish was caught recently. What? And they thought it was extinct in like 1980, but it dates back to like 430 million years ago. That's pretty cool. The fish does or the species does? The species. The fish is not that old. <laughs> Cliff, yes, the fish. It's ancient. The fish. Yeah. You never know. Turtles will live over 100 years. Hey, that's true. Yeah, 100 years. That's pretty close to 430 million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, round up. <laughs> round up, man. You got to get there eventually. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, so, uh, people kind of think that this actually could be a Creek Indian legend. Um, the reason there are these Native Americans who lived in the Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina area, um, they ended up calling them the Creek Indians because of the number of creeks and rivers that were near where they lived. Also called Muskogee. Yeah, exactly, right? Also called them Muskogee. Um, that George's coming out. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, I was, I was going to butcher that name, so I'm glad that you said it. It's pronounced Muskogee. Yeah, it's spelled weird, though. <laughs> That's not how it Bless is. Bless you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, um, but like I said, in 1929, John Reed Swanton encountered the first human-sized lizard in the area. And um, the story goes that a group of Native Americans were out hunting, right? They're out and they think they know they found this bear hole, like a bear had hollowed out part of this tree and was living in there. So they're about to hunt and kill this bear, but this giant lizard man comes out. Right, so all the Native Americans start running away. The lizard runs, 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 grabs the first one, brings him back to his den. Right, then he leaves him there and goes and gets the second one, and then same thing. And goes and gets the third one, and then finally he goes and gets the last guy he was tracking down, brings him back. On his way back, though, an actual bear jumps out, scares the lizard man. So then the lizard man drops the guy he was carrying, and they fight while the other guy runs away. The mm. other Native Americans are never seen or heard from again. But this one guy goes back and tells the story about how he ran into all the lizard man and they took all the people while they're out hunting. Interesting. Right? So the first modern reported sighting 
was by George Holloman in the fall of 87, but there is an actually even more substantial one by Christopher Davis, who was a 17-year-old kid um, and who actually made it famous. So he was out driving around the scrape or swamp, right? And uh, he's out at 2 a.m. You know, I'm not going to ask why the 17-year-old, 17-year-old was out at 2 a.m., but he was. This is June 29th, 1988. Up to no good. Up to no good, right? Sorry, making trouble in his neighborhood. Got one uh, little fight. His mom <laughs> got, got scared. scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he pops a tire, right? So he pulls over. He's changing it out. And he hears this thumping noise from behind, right? So he gets up and looks around. And he sees this seven-foot-tall lizard man beelining straight towards him, like hauling to get to him. And he's running and chasing him down. So uh, good old Christopher Davis, 17-year-old boy, probably scared to death, jumps in his car while the creature jumps and lunges and grabs onto the roof of his car. So Christopher explains it this way, that as he's driving home, he's swerving off the road trying to get the lizard man off of the top of his car, um, but nothing can happen, right? He finally gets him off, and he knocks off his mirror, and he gets back to his home, and he looks at his car, and he has scratches and claw marks in the shape of three different things all across his car. Verified with pictures? Uh, I couldn't find any pictures, but all of a sudden it looked super hard for pictures. Um, he said, quote, that he saw the red eyes glowing. It grabbed the door handle like it knew how to get in. And uh, black nails, green rough skin, and it was strong and angry like it wanted him. Turns out this happened on Halloween and it was just <laughs> some poor dude. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's been other reports, right? Kind of similar stories, scratches, bite marks, a lot of times on cars. Um, kind of near the swamps of Bishopville. Uh, however, whenever people would report this, most of the time the police would actually take it seriously. They had a little bit of concern, uh, but they were also a little bit skeptical because most of the people who were actually making these claims were known to be relatively reliable people in the community. However, they ended up deciding that it was probably more of a bear than an actual lizard, lizard man. Um, the sheriff's department believed this so much they actually went out and created plasters of the footprints that chased Christopher that one night. So they created the, the plaster cast of the three-toed uh, creature from the mud, and they sent it off to a biologist. Uh, the biologist said that he could not make out what the creature was, and he didn't know what it was, but they could not compare it to any recorded animal and he also dismissed, dismissed it and said they probably shouldn't send it to the FBI uh, because it's kind of unclassifiable. Um, over the years, they've, been, uh, they've given out prizes to try to get people to capture this thing alive. Um, the actual South Carolina Department of Wildlife has done this. They've offered actually a $1 million reward to anybody who could potentially capture the lizard man. One man named Kenneth Orr, who was an airman, actually filed a police report and said he had shot and killed or shot and harmed the lizard man. However, uh, he actually found some scales from when he shot it and brought some blood to the police station to get uh, to get tested. But the police did some digging and found out he did not have a license to carry his firearm. And so they told him, if you pursue this any further, we're going to have to push press charges for you having an illegal weapon. So he stopped and then later said he was just doing it to make sure that the stories of the lizard man never went away. Oh. <laughs> so, 
that is it. That's my story of the lizard man of scape or swamp. So pretty good. Sweet. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it from now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and CBS. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. You guys ready to hear about the time I killed a deer? I want to hear about yeah. <laughs> yeah. this time in particular. Yeah. Yes, I've been saving this story. Oh, where to begin? So. Uh, I was going deer hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Cliff was actually on a deer, a legitimate deer hunt that weekend. I couldn't go. I was invited, but I could not go because I had to work. This was on a Saturday. I was driving to work in San Antonio, uh, going down uh, Hebner, um, right by the railroad tracks uh, near like uh, Hebner and uh, Vance Jackson. And uh, as I'm driving... Uh, there's a car pull hot spot. What'd you say? Way to hot spot. <laughs> yeah, way to hot spot. <laughs> uh, as I'm driving, there is a girl in the middle of the road, and like young girl, uh, and Hebner is a very busy road, and she is like pulling on this deer that's like laying in the middle of the road, but she's like pulling. Like, you could tell she was putting a lot of effort into it, but the deer wasn't moving anywhere. It's probably just, like, yanking it. (laughs) Yeah, like, yanking it. Uh, And she was probably, like, 17 years old. And so I was, like, I felt really bad for her, and there's a lot of traffic. So I, like, pulled over, put my hazards on to, like, make people slow down, and then got out and, uh, like, ran out and, like, helped her drag it off to the side, like, kind of right by these railroad tracks. Mm -hmm. And afterwards like and she like after we had all like said and done she was like bawling she was like crying so hard mm-hmm. felt really bad for her and she's like uh i was like did you hit the deer and she's like no two cars in front of her the deer got hit by two cars in front of her and uh it was just like still alive like in the road mm-hmm. and she felt really bad and like wanted to move it off the road gotcha so she didn't even hit it but and she pulled over. And she she pulled like, over and like was trying by herself to get this deer out of the road. Okay, what? How big of a deer? Uh, it was a doe. Um, I would say of average size. What's an average size doe weigh, Cliff? Like 100, 120? Depends. 
I'd probably put it somewhere in there. It was a 12-point yeah. buck. It was a 12-point buck. It was 200 not, pounds. No, it was not. It's so about, like about 100 pounds. 100, so, it, but 100 pounds is tough for people I'd to pull. Say, yeah. I'd say it'd probably be more than 100 pounds. Yeah. 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 Uh, hundred. Let's say 100, 120 pounds. Yeah. Um, and the deer was still alive. It was struggling with life. Oh, man, yeah. Like, when I had pulled it off, it was still alive. It was struggling with life. It couldn't really do anything. It was pretty mangled. Um, it wasn't like, there wasn't anything of like, uh, there wasn't anything of like, like oh, we open can wounds or anything uh, like that, okay. but it's legs were all broken and it, it was just like pretty bad. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? Do I need to call him? I was like, no, you've done all you can do. I'll take care of it from here. So you sent her on her way. So I basically like, I was like, hey, you, watch this. And no. <laughs> so I basically, I I sent her on her way because she was, like, crying. I was like, I'll take care of it. You know, you don't have to worry about anything. Uh-huh. You did a good thing by pulling over. You know, like, tried to reassure her because, you know, she was having a rough time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so uh, I kind of, like, walk her back to her car. And then on the way back, I go to my truck where I have a knife. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go in the suffering Skin it. of the uh, deer. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, Cliff is disappointed. The f- uh well I'll, I'll get to that in a second uh so I go hey go to so my you, truck you grab your knife you you're I, walking back I'm walking back and another car had pulled over <laughs> and um I should have like written down verbatim our conversation because now that I'm like reliving it I'm like oh I want to get the conversation that happened so right mm-hmm. but it's so hard to remember um so I pulled I I was walking back to the deer. And the deer was still alive. It was like, like breathing, like coughing up blood. I was just gonna like end its end its misery, and go to work. Be good. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm walking back to the deer, another car had pulled over, and it was a husband and wife. So this guy walks up to me, and he's like, uh, like really stressed out about this deer, mm-hmm. and. He <laughs> he wasn't even like I was like like he was like I don't even know why he pulled over other than like I guess he had watched me pull the deer out of the road. Right. Now I have a knife in my hand and he's like really concerned for this deer. And uh he was like he was starting to cry. Mm-hmm. This was a guy probably like in his sixties and okay. his wife maybe no, maybe more like fifties. Wife was in her fifties. And the wife was like ten feet behind the husband, so they were not like standing by side by side. Right. Um, and he was like really concerned about the deer. Um, are you gonna Are you gonna save the deer? Are you gonna save the deer? And I was like, I was like, dude, this deer got hit by two cars. I mean, look at it. Like this, this deer can't be saved. And he's like, I've saved deer before. I've saved deer before. I I can save this deer. Uh. uh okay. We- <laughs> And I was like, man, I really don't think this deer can be saved. Right. Like, You're gonna, it's coughing up blood. It's going to be in more pain and misery. And I was like, yeah. the, the longer it's alive, the more pain and suffering this deer is going through. Right. And he's like, no, I really think we can save it. I'm like, what are you going to do? And he was like, well, I can take it home and nurse it back to health. And his wife, like, piped in and was like, we're not bringing that deer home. <laughs> oh, so even she was against it. <laughs> she, But she was also, like, crying yeah. and well, flustered. I mean, like, it, it is it is a, well, it's like, also illegal to hold a wild animal as mm-hmm. a pet, which is in that case would essentially be a pet. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. and, like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, 
it is distressing to see anything suffering, especially an animal, right? I mean, like, sometimes you see a bird with a broken wing, and it's still kind of like, oh, man, you know, I wish it hadn't happened. But nature is cool, and you have to get over that fact. But yeah, no, it, there, it is it, was, a, it is appropriate to be upset when you see an animal in pain. It was distressing for me, right? And I wanted to but take to be appropriate. That upset. I wanted to take appropriate measures to end the suffering right. of that animal. Uh, so, um, and he's like, "Well, what if we call like animal control?" And we, they come out here and see what they can do. I was like, dude, they're not going to try to save this deer. I can tell you that right now. And I, uh, and I was like, if you want to call them, I'll give you like thirty seconds. So he's like, boy, on his phone, like, <laughs> Find the like, numbers. and and like they don't close, they don't open for like another hour. And he's like, I'll wait here for an hour till they open. I'm like, dude, this deer is suffering. Right. Like right now. You tell him and, that. You tell uh, him like this deer is suffering. I was like, this deer is suffering. I was like, look at it. And he just like starts bawling. Mm. And I was like, what do I do? And I was like, look, I'm going to end this deer suffering. Right. You guys can leave. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> you, guys you guys can walk away knowing that, you know. It's not longer in pain. It's no longer in pain. Right. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to take I'm, this here knife and I'm going <laughs> to shove it in his neck. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was like, do you, and I was like, do you really want to know that? Mm. Like, I'm just, just going to, because he was already like, dude was like bawling, like tears right. coming down. His, I was like, I'm not about to tell the, like explain to this dude how I'm going to do this. Right. Like, you guys just leave. I've got it taken care of. And uh, then he's like, well, I, uh, and then I was like, and, it got to a point to where, like, he was argu- we were arguing so much about it. I was like, dude, the longer you don't come to the realization that this deer is not going to live. Like, there's no way. I was like, dude, look at this deer. This right. deer is not going to live. The longer you take to make the decision to let me do this the more this deer is suffering. Right. I could have, this would have been. Meanwhile, the deer gets, like, hit by a third car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So. You know, and this deer's like coughing up blood and like hyperventilating, like this whole conversation, like all mangled. Probably had collapsed lungs. Oh, dude, legs. who knows? Uh, yeah. To get hit by two cars, yeah. No, I've done it, it before. <laughs> it 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 was not a pretty sight, and uh, I was like, uh, I was like, this is the best thing for the deer. Like, so you told me you were gonna do. Yeah, I said I told him exactly what I was gonna do. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna end this deer suffering. I told him I was gonna do it. And he was like, okay, well, just give me a minute with the deer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he, like, bends down and, like, pets it on its head. See, like, up, up until this <laughs> up until this point, like, outside of arguing for as long as he did, like, I, I get the, like, being upset about it. I get, I get crying about it because I'm not in a world where men can't cry. Like, that's totally fine, right? Like, no. that's, that's bull crap anyways. But... The letting the deer suffer for as long as he did is where the line is is inappropriate. You know and not I mean? having the real, not having the realization that that's what it was. To happen. It was like you can. Be it upset. was emotional thinking, not critical thinking. But you, the thing is, though, you can do both. You can be emotional that a, an animal is is in pain, but also understand that, like being humans, we can end the suffering as soon as possible for that animal. Which is the state that I was in. Exactly, right. Like, you could have both. Because, you if, need to have both. because if I didn't care, I would have just left. I'm like, all right, dude. Exactly. I would have just... Exactly. If I didn't care right. about that animal's well-being, sure. I would have just left, and that animal would have continued to suffer. That is how I think about it. Right. Um, And so, 
and he's just like petting it, and I'm like, this is so weird. You, had, you hadn't done it yet. He's no, petting it. He's like petting it, and I was like, all right. You need to leave so I can do this. Like, just please. I was just like, don't, just please go away. Don't watch me. Just you don't need to watch me. Yeah. So <laughs> don't need an audience for this. <laughs> so I do it. Uh huh. And how'd you do it? How did I do it? Yeah. I don't want to get necessarily get into the details. But a knife went know. somewhere. I, in I the used neck. a knife Where? in the neck area. Okay. So. Other than that, in case there's young yeah, uh, audience, that's I don't want to go into it more. So, um, I do the deed, mm-hmm. and then the guy, like, and they were, like, walking away when I did it. So, I was like, okay, they're gone. Right. Well, after I do it, the guy comes running back, and he's just bawling uncontrollably. Uh-huh. And uh, he, like, lays over the deer. Uh-huh. As it's like taking its final breaths. Okay. And and I was like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> and he's like, I just want I just want this deer to know that it was loved. And he's like petting it and like crying. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was like, are you okay? <laughs> I was like, are you okay? I take care of this guy now. <laughs> I was like, and now I'm worried about the guy. <laughs> did you do like, the same thing you did to the deer? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. And he's just like in crying. And the wife is like way back there crying. And I was uh-huh. like, I was like, um, I, I didn't know what to do at that point. Cause yeah, I'd already done the dude. I, I had already done it, taking care of it. Uh-huh. And now this guy's like, I thought he was gone. I was just going to like, I, what my, what I was going to do is I was going to wait there until it happened. Until it was which is probably going to be pretty soon, pretty soon. And, uh, then I was going to call like the three one one number. Non-emergency right. line for San Antonio and say, hey, up. there's this dead deer here. You right. know, you Can guys. Can I get a salvage tag? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which, until recently, you've given me crap about yeah. getting a salvage tag. But you can't get one here. But you, you can't, can't get, get one, one in Texas. No. So. So you just take it. <laughs> <laughs> Ask questions later. <laughs> that is not true either. Um, so. I'm um, saying it's a wasted backstrap. Do not do that, guys. Do not Dude, take roadkill. Anybody and, who and, listens. And and then he asked me, he's, he asked if I was in the military. And I'm like, I was like, that's an odd question. Asked me, like, no, I'm not in the military. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just. Why do you have a knife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Texas? You're military? You're Boy Scout? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's probably from Austin. Like, he pr- ask him if he lives in Travis County. And I live in Travis County. I was just like, and and so I was like stuck in this deal where this dude is like bawling uncontrollably, laying over this deer, petting it, and like talking to it, literally talking to it as it's like taking its last breath. I didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. so I was like, I was like, "Are you okay? Like, can I can I leave? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna be okay? Are you gonna be okay?" And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to sit here with it for a little bit longer. You're good. And I was like, all right. So I just <laughs> like walked back to my truck. And as I walk back to my truck, another guy pulls over. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and talks to me. Turns out he's an emergency room doctor. Uh-huh. And he was like on his way home from a shift or like on his way to a shift. And he was like, I saw a guy on the ground over there. Do, do you <laughs> so need thought, help? He thought, he, thought the guy, guy. he thought something was wrong with the guy. Oh, and I was like, no, dude. 
I was like, I told him what happened. I was like, look, this deer got hit by a car. I put it out of his misery. This dude's over there crying about it. You don't want to go over there. <laughs> basically. You don't want to go over there. Basically, what I told him, he's like, thanks for the heads up. And then, <laughs> and then bounce. <laughs> oh, man. That's a great story. Every uh, time. Oh, man. I didn't get a deer that day. Oh, and so the best part of the story, <laughs> it gets better. I called Cliff knowing that he was deer hunting that weekend. I said, and he knew that I was working. And I said, hey, Cliff, have you killed a deer this weekend? And he said, no, I'm still hunting. I said, because I killed a deer this weekend. And he. <laughs> you get upset by that. He was oh, kind of upset. I was. Because <laughs> he kept on rubbing it in as he actually killed, like, I actually did kill a deer. Landon I killed, Landon's by, killed a deer more brutal than any of us have killed a deer. I guess by technicality, yes, but you didn't hunt the deer. You, <laughs> thing, you killed a deer that was only thing more prime. Only thing more primal would be taking a rock and smash the head in. Like, it would have been a bit. Uh, the dude just makes like every time I think about it. Like this is something I think about pretty regularly. Like this story, and I think about did this really happen to me? Did this guy, did I really meet this guy that was going to act like about, that? That yeah. argued about me killing a deer, which is fine. If you think there's another, if you're seriously concerned and there's another option, I'm I'm willing to hear you out, which I did. Right. And then politely explain that those aren't good options. This is the only good option. But then to like lay over the deer. Explain that they're a and dummy. And cry. Yeah. Was, I mean like, so, okay, again, if you cry over a deer... I don't care. If you shoot a deer and you cry over it, I'm fine with well, that. Well, hunting is super emotional is, for a lot of people. It is such an emotional thing, right? Like, it is so crazy. And, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, the first time I ever shot a deer, I don't think I cried. But I did go up to it. And, you know, like, you do put your hand on it in a sense of, like, and it's more of a respect thing. But there also is, like, a, a life-taking aspect of it, you know? And you, I, I don't think you need to remove yourself from that, right? No, um, but but I, don't, I think the crying comes... I think with hunting, the crying can come from two places. Mm -hmm. Either you've over-anthropomorphized the animal, mm -hmm. which is what I think this guy in this situation did, or hunting is such an emotional roller coaster right. that it's like all this work that you've put into it. Yeah, it's a culmination of a bunch of different things. You've finally va validated, and thus you cry as a an emotional response. Right. And I, I think there's a respect there too. I yeah, don't think that crying yeah. over the deer for the sake of it being a deer mm -hmm. that was hit by a car is a healthy or respectable way to handle it. I, I think I, that, I, I, I'll disagree with you every day, 10 times, 10 on 10 times because people have different empathy levels. People have different emotional levels. If you want to cry over an animal that's been hit by a car, that's fine. My issue with it was not being able to be emotional but also remove themselves from the situation and understand, but what, what do we actively need to do to make sure the deer isn't suffering? I think that, he was, uh, I think that people have a tendency to over-anthropomorphize animals, especially the cute, cuddly-looking ones. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what triggers more of an emotional response, yeah, and I disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, if you run over a no, house, like, And I cares. think if you hit the deer unintentionally, there's an emotional response sure. there, too. But yeah. he didn't hit the deer, That's either. The this guy probably should never He pulled in over right. because there was a deer on the side of the road, and there were people right. gathered. But to go back to what you said, Zach, 
people run over a snake and they don't think twice about it and give no. two S's. Mm-mm. That's the, that's my point of like, why cry over this deer, but you wouldn't cry over that snake? Yeah. I mean, because I, I, both of it is a life that you just took. So right. if you're really emotional over the state of the life, I would give more respect to the person who ran over the snake because it's actually for the sake of taking its life, not because it's been anthropomorphized, yeah. cute, cuddly creature. So say that a deer's life is worth more than the snake's life, to me, I don't think it's, is completely foreign in my mind. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's also, I mean, and it probably is a little bit of that. But I think it's also, too, that like we all have dogs in our house, right? It's easy to think that a deer looks more like a dog than a snake looks more like a dog. You know what I mean? And that's the whole cute cuddly, right? Exactly, like you said, cute, cute cuddly things. But you know what? Like, if you see a, if if even if you didn't hit a dog, if you see a dog that's struggling inside the road, it's that's an emotional thing, right? Yeah, but I think that's. Be- I mean, it gets into a nuanced level. It definitely, it definitely does. And we're getting into an argument, like where, not even where, an argument. Where we're just dogs, discussing things where that, dogs are kind of like your best friend, and it, right. I, I think when you see a dog on the side of the road and you get emotional attached to that, it's more. That you're equivocating that to your actual pet, which right. your pets actually become part of your family. family. Part yeah, of your family. for sure, I agree. And there's yeah. a there's a there's lot a more there's a lot more of a rapport there, right. Than stranger over something. Deer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My whole thing is I don't want anybody who's listening to make it seem like we're saying you can't be an emotional person because that's no, not do, what do, we're saying do, at all. Do as do you boo right. Uh, yes, that, that, we are. That's no, a, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's my main. I just don't want anybody who's listening who says like, "Well, I'm more of an emotional person. But, I don't want anybody looking down on me because of it." I don't want that coming across at all, right? If you're an emotional person, especially if you're an emotional man, that is 100 percent okay. I would say yeah, I, what I'm arguing for is to take a step back and actually try and realize, which this is what I think is healthy in it take a step back and actually try and realize where is this emotion coming from? Right. Like, is it because i um, anthropomorphizing, which means giving human characteristics and traits to an animal that does not have yeah. human characteristics. It's just hard to do traits. that though. I mean, it's hard to remove yourself when you're, when, when you're at, when you're an emotional person, you know what I mean? I, I feel like the guy was in the wrong by not letting Landon care that kill the deer. Oh, in for the first sure. Place. I, that is not an argument that, that is not an argument at all. Yeah, the guy should have never argued about it. But he should have let you done what you needed to do. And then if he, for his own self, needed to stay there with the deer, he could have done that. But he should have never stopped you from helping put the deer out of the misery. You know what I mean? But. Yep. Again, if you want to cry over a deer, cry over a deer, guys. No, yeah, I, I think the issue is the length of time I had to argue for with sure. him. And thinking and then, he was going to save this deer with mangled body and probably broken, yeah, and there internal was, bleeding and everything else. Yeah. I don't think I've ever cried over an animal that I've hunted. I've cried over pets that's passed. Yeah, yeah, but I've never cried over as, for lack of a better term, a stranger animal. I think the first deer I ever shot, I got teary eyed when I shot it. When but I, I do get emotional, like when I shot the hog with the bow. There's a lot of emotion and yeah. adrenaline running where I actually felt like I was kind of removed from my physical being, like just kind of watching. Watching it happen. I get that too. 
Yeah, I think for me it was just like the culmination of, like you said, like all the work that had gone into it. I had never done it. I wanted to for like that year especially leading up to deer season. I was just like, this is something I'm doing this year. I'm setting my goal as I'm going to get a deer. And then it happened. And it wasn't like deer, but it was just definitely like, like, oh, my gosh. Like I had two other shots at other animals earlier that weekend. And then it finally happened for me. And it was like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's like your heart's pounding. You're like. It's almost unbelievable, and I think that's almost like the that first time is like the, the emotional response. You know? And I think the other thing to take away, too, is like respect the animal as much For as sure. you can. No matter what your situation is, um, I felt like I did the most respectful thing for that animal. For sure. Yeah. I think if you're hunting and you take an animal, the most respectful thing you can do is use as much of it as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that comes with it, too. Um, yeah. Just respect, respect everything, respect animals, especially when yeah. I do feel I do have an issue with the state of Texas in saying that you can't do salvage tags and collect. I think they're just oh it it's open to so much like interpretation and stuff, like and that. bad <laughs> things can happen. If you're not you're the gonna, one who hits it, you don't know how long the animal's been out there. You, you also run into people in hitting on purpose. purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's the reason why. If someone wants to eat a three day old deer that's been sent on the side of the road, that's their problem. That's yeah. not my problem. That's not the state of Texas's problem. That's true because nobody stops you from shooting a deer and letting it sit in your garage for right. Years. I think yeah. what the state's trying to do is stop people from intentionally. <laughs> oh, and then you call your insurance and say, "Hey, I hit a deer. I, I hit, hit a deer. deer. It jumped out on the road in front of me, and now." You know, you're getting your vehicle paid to repair, and you That's got a free true. deer. Yeah, it probably it, it's probably that thing where it's easier, and they can solve le- like they have less problems by making that a no questions asked rule than if they were like, okay, we can do it here and there. You know, but I, not worth the effort. I, I do think, like in my mind, that deer in that specific instance, I probably would have taken if it was legal in the state of Texas. Oh, if I would have taken it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it get hit. I don't think I would have. Who knows? Like how, you know. See, I don't you, have it. I don't have an issue. You with think the about sorry, if having I like know it was fresh, collapsed lungs, and how mangled it was, and everything. All that meat's probably too bruised. And bruised, up. yeah, all yeah. bruised. Yeah, but there's still parts of it that would still be good. A stress, yeah. a stressful death does not do good for um, meat the, quality, and that's. Life was prolonged longer than it needed to be. Yeah, for sure. See, that one I still would have at least tried. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool, guys. Well. Anybody else? You guys have any other? Ian, do you have any comments on the the deer story? What we just talked about. Um, I think being emotional in high-intense situations is normal. No matter what it is, anything to do with life, death, anything like that, I think that's very normal. But to that point, I, you know, part of being a mature adult is, and, and no one's perfect, but part of being a mature adult, and I'll call this guy out on the side of the road, is being able to think clearly in those situations. For sure. We understand, we, we understand why some people can't, but Landon, you did the right thing. Like, oh, yeah. what, what else is going to happen? And, uh, anything that involves life, death, sudden crazy events, you know, it's, we're human and we have emotions for a reason, but you should, you have to do what's right. And 
you know, it sounds like this guy was just kind of not sure what to do or he had never been in that situation. Yeah. I, I think, so I, I think, don't really fault I him, think, but no, but I, I think he, if cared. he was really telling you not to do it, you know, it. yeah, I think he obviously cared enough to pull, like obviously he cared at some level. He pulled over and everything, but I think, yeah, I, I just, I'm not putting him that. on blast. I'm just saying that like, there is a place for, there is a place for killing this animal and that's what should have been done because what else are you going to do? Nerd, take, put it in your car. I mean, it's going to, by the time you get home, it's going to have, it's just going to suffer and suffer and suffer mm-hmm. and suffer. For sure. For sure. And, and, and that's work. So it's like letting, the freezer. you know, animals are not people. I don't think anyone at Honey Hole Angling is going to argue with me, but they can come at me if they want. Animals are not people. And we treat them differently than people. Right. And um, so you did the right thing. Cool. Well, I think that's it, guys. Uh, closing words of wisdom. Yeah. If Closing words of wisdom. If, uh, <laughs> if you accidentally hit a deer or find a deer on the side of the road in here in San Antonio, call Landon at <laughs> 210. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ask him to come murder your deer. Oh, man. It's no, I, mercy killing. Look, I <laughs> that's not something I wanted to do, nor wish anybody else would have to do. That's you know, it's probably not fun. It it, it was not a fun situation, yeah. and it still would not have been a fun situation or an enjoyable situation had the guy not showed up. Um, I did feel really bad for the girl. I probably walked away there feeling the most bad for her. Because uh, she was just trying to do the right thing. She was just trying to do the right thing. She was crying. Um, she was like probably in high school, and um, so anyway. Uh, well, guys, that's no, I go think, ahead, Ian. Yeah, like that. That's fine. I just think that guy over. I'm gonna. I mean, if he ever listened to this, I think he overreacted a little He's bit. He's definitely to not be listening to Hunt <laughs> You don't think? But uh, but with that said, it's very normal to be emotional and like kind of to Zach's point. Maybe I'm the moderate of the group. To Zach's point, I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with being emotional in situations like that. And it definitely it doesn't make you less of a man, right? But you should. You did the right thing, Landon. We'll put it that way. There you go. You absolutely did the right thing. Yeah. I know I did the right thing. I don't need you guys' validation. (laughs) (laughs) That was one thing that, uh, last note, that was one thing that made me mad about the situation was like when I was talking to the guy was like, I knew that I was doing the right thing, but like fighting over that obstacle of like explaining that to him. So, um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening uh, to Honey Hole Hangout. Uh, go to our website, www.honeyholeangling.com. Read some of Ian's well-written articles. Buy some merch. That's what the kids are calling it these days. Buy some articles. Ian needs money. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, go to our YouTube and watch some of our videos. Yeah. And, and hey, and you know what? We are ramping up the YouTube channel in the next yeah, four you- Weeks. Weeks, yeah. Once uh, summer hits, we're hitting the YouTube hard, so it you is. guys can look forward to some content there. Yeah, we're excited to get it that back up and rolling. Yep. And uh, it should be good. All right, we will... Catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. Later, H-holes.
Bye.